This week I saw a violent video uh, depicting a confrontation between a Division I football player and a woman that was probably drunk uh, in a restaurant. Uh, it, it was violent. Uh, and, it, and it depicts what for some is the way women in our society might be viewed by some. But it depicts the way relationships should not be. There is enough blame to go around. If, if you watched this particular video, you see her aggressiveness, her, uh, her own violence, her own willful disrespect, and then his response to it, which resulted in a violent action. That's not the way that God wants us to interact with one another. That's not the way He expects men and women to relate to each other. And especially in marriage, which this context was not. But it highlights for us the idea of how God views the church. Because God says there is nothing more sacred, more special than the relationship between a man and a woman in marriage. And of all of the different types of relationships that God could use to depict His relationship with His people, He chooses to use the relationship of marriage as the example of what His relationship with the church is like. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, please be turning to Ephesians chapter 5. And as you turn to Ephesians chapter 5, what we're focusing on this morning is what we're thinking about this morning is the uniqueness, the specialness of the church and how we ought to view our role, our relationship in the church as we seek to endeavor to do new things in 2017. It's hard to imagine. But as we seek to do new things, starting on January 1, I want us to appreciate the specialness, the holiness, the sacredness of the church. So let's notice what Paul has to say as we look in Ephesians chapter 5. And God here, through the Apostle Paul, talks about the specialness of the church. Notice what Paul says. Beginning in verse 22. It says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to also love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. 
For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. As we look at this passage, I know he continues into verse 33, but as we look at this passage, Paul is saying, I want you to understand the specialness, the sacredness of the church. He says in verse 32, it is a mystery. Says, I'm not talking about the husband-wife relationship, although that is a mystery sometimes. But he says, I'm talking about the relationship of Christ to the church. As we think about this this morning, I want us to understand the cultural significance of what Paul is describing here. And then I want us to understand the spiritual significance of what Paul is describing here. And I want us to think about what this means for us as the Bimbrook Church of Christ as we move forward. So let's begin by thinking about the cultural significance of what Paul's describing. As you know, Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus. There are some that believe that as he writes this letter, really it's a circulatory letter. That maybe it's being uh, written to other churches in the Roman province of Asia, and it either begins in Ephesus or ends in Ephesus, and thus it carries the name the church at Ephesus. And all the Greek Greek texts that we have, all the Greek manuscripts that we have, there's literally a blank for the name of the church. As if whoever was reading it would insert the name of the church that that it was being read to. And so that leads many to believe, well, maybe this was a circular letter that came to reside at Ephesus and be known as the Ephesian letter. But Paul's talking to folks in a Greek context. And yet, if it is the church at Ephesus, and as was Paul's modus operandi, if you will, of how he worked, he would often go to the Jewish communities in those cities first, And so many of his churches were a blending of Jewish and Greek communities. And undoubtedly, as you look at the book of Ephesus, you see that. Because Paul spends a lot of time talking about the relationship between Jewish Christians and and Gentile Christians. As we look at Ephesus, we understand the culture of the time. Both Greeks and the Jews had similar marriage practices. The bride would be separated from the groom. There would be a ceremony in which the bride would be brought to the husband's family. The Jewish custom was that this marriage was a week long. Ozzy, at some point, you'll be given Allie away in marriage. Isn't that nice? I bring that up after her fifth birthday. But that's going to cost you, if you were Jewish back in the first century, that would be a week long ceremony. Mike, you got two daughters. You better start planning now, buddy. Right? The week-long marriage ceremony. And on the final day of that ceremony, there would be a great feast. And in the Jewish custom, the bridesmaids, as we would call them, would ceremonially bathe the bride. And she would put on a special wedding garment. And then they would carry her to the groom's family to present her to the groom, having been ceremonially washed, bathed, as if to say, here is this pure woman. 
Paul's drawing on that analogy. He's drawing on that custom. This is strange to us. But for Paul's original audience, this was a beautiful picture. And Paul's saying, look, Jesus carried the church and brought the church to himself. Having cleansed her. And he says here, with the washing of the water and the word, I believe that's a reference to baptism. The church being made up of those Christians who have been baptized. Or being made up of Christians, and Christians have been baptized. And so he's bringing the church to himself. And she's blameless. And she's pure. And she has no spot. She has no wrinkle. She has no defects at all. And he presents that bride to himself. The specialness, the sacredness, the uniqueness of the church. Holy and blameless. That's important. Because the church isn't just a stopgap measure that God instituted until something else would happen down the line in in the future. God intended things to be done this way. And God views the church as being unique and sacred and holy and pure and blameless. And Jesus, Paul says, went to great lengths to be able to do that. Such a great length that he stretched out his arms and died. He sacrificed himself so that the church could be blameless and pure. And so Paul says, husbands, I want you to treat your wives in the same way that Christ treated the church. That he was willing to sacrifice himself on behalf of the church. But the analogy doesn't end there. As we think about the cultural custom of the day and what that imagery would have meant to his original audience, Paul now begins to go into greater depth about the relationship between Christ and the church. He says, church, I want you to understand that Christ is your head, your authority, your guidance. You don't get to make up things for yourself. You subject yourself, church, to Christ. You follow Christ. You submit yourself to Christ. And he says, but I want you to understand how Christ looks at you. He cherishes you. He nourishes you. He says, husbands, treat your wives the same way. You don't mistreat your body. You don't abuse your body. But you make sure that you are nourished. You make sure that you are cherishing yourself. You know, it's like the guy that likes T-bone steaks. He, if he likes T-bone steaks and there's one T-bone steak, he's going to eat the T-bone steak, isn't he? He nourishes himself. Paul says, husbands, look at how Christ nourishes the church and cherishes her. He makes sure that she's well fed, that she's provided for, that she's protected. And he gives everything he has for the church. 
And so you have the cultural custom of the day in, in which his original audience, Paul's original audience says, this is something special, this is something unique, this is a, a, a holy relationship. But then Paul says it goes beyond that because different from the way Greek men and Jewish men may have treated their wives. He says Jesus nourishes that church and cherishes her. So as we think about this church, we need to understand what God is saying to us here in this analogy. The church is not an athletic club. The church is not a fellowship association. Although we might get together sometimes and do some athletic things. I don't know who it's going to be doing that athletic stuff, but it's possible. We get together, we do fellowship type things. We enjoy playing games together. We enjoy uh, eating food together. We enjoy those things. But that's not the purpose of the church even though we might do those things. The church is holier than that. It has a purpose. It has a function. Paul says we are all members of that body together. Now remember, he's just made the analogy. Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and cherishes her and nourishes her as he does his own body. And he says, as the church, we are all individually members of that same body. You don't abuse your own body. You don't abuse one another. You cherish each other. You nourish each other. And you see the church as being special and unique and important. And we all serve together. And we accomplish God's work together. As we think about 2017, here's my hope and my prayer for you and me. My hope and my prayer is that we don't just look at moving into a new facility as something to do. But we see this as an opportunity to serve our community. It's been great being together last year and a half and serving together and doing different things to reach out. And everyone, as much as they can, has contributed in some way or fashion to that effort. And it's great to have that relationship. And we want to continue to do those things. And so as we look at 2017, my hope and my prayer is that we will continue to do those things. And that we will encourage each other. And that we will love each other. And that God will use us to accomplish His work. Because He sees His church as holy and precious and beautiful. And His desire for us is to continue adding to His body. To continue adding to His church. By sharing the gospel with others. So they can make a decision to become disciples of Christ. By being united with Jesus in His death, burial, and resurrection through baptism. Crucifying that old body of sin. And living for Christ. And as we do that together, we will be a beautiful bride.
a beautiful wife for Christ. If you're here this morning and you need to be united with Christ in baptism, or if you have other needs that you need to let the church be aware of, whatever your need, won't you come? Together we stand and sing.